Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Dead America, El Paso, Part 5. Dead America, The Third Week, Book 2. Written by Derek Slayton. Narrated by P.J. Morgan. Chapter 1. Day 0 plus 16. The satellite computer sprang to life, beeping its excitement at showing its feed. Leon and Roger sat in front of it, completely devoid of excitement, not even moving at the noise, staring off into space. Ethel pursed her lips as she noticed the two men's quiet contemplation and got up from her desk. She grabbed the coffee pot and two mugs, heading over to the computer. She set the cups down and began pouring, the sound of hot brew hitting porcelain, making the two men jump. Oh, uh, thank you, Ethel, Leon said, blinking rapidly. But we already have some. She shrugged. Well, given how you boys are just staring out into the cosmos, I'd say it ain't doing its job, she said. So y'all are gonna get a second cup. The men looked at each other and then nodded their approval. They grabbed their old cups and chugged down the cooled liquid as she finished filling the new ones. Thank you, Roger said quietly as he swapped out his mug. She stared down at them with soft eyes. I know you boys are concerned about Reed, but there ain't nothing you can do for him. She paused and then put her free hand on her hip. Actually, I'm wrong. There is something you can do for him. She raised her chin. You can snap out of it and start doing your damn jobs. She wagged her finger at the two surprised men. I haven't known him but a week or so, but I reckon he'd be pretty pissed if he was the reason this community fell apart. So honor that boy and get to work. Both men blinked at her and said, yes, ma'am, in unison, turning towards the computer as she walked back to her desk, back ramrod straight. She's right, Roger said, taking a deep breath. We should get back to work, a lot to get done. Leon's eyebrows rose. Even if she was wrong, I'm sure as hell not gonna be the one to tell her. That's why you're a survivor, the detective said, clapping him on the shoulder. You make good decisions. Leon chuckled as he took a sip of his fresh coffee and clacked at the keyboard, pulling up the town on the satellite feed. He scanned the area for movement, and Rogers lifted his pencil, jotting down notes on a pad of paper as they went along. Looks like we got a small batch of them at the south end of town, Leon said. The detective nodded. Probably got stuck in the drainage ditch and couldn't get out. I'll mark it down for the team. Might be a good idea to send some of the high school group with them, his partner replied. Get them some field experience since they've been locked up tight from the beginning of this thing. Rogers looked up from his paper. That's not a bad idea, he agreed. Have you talked to any of them this morning? Yeah, a few of them were over by the bridge this morning, Leon said. I think they were just happy to be out of that school and wanted to take full advantage of it. The detective took a sip of coffee before asking, they get settled in okay? 
Eh, more or less, Leon replied, cocking his head back and forth. They stayed in a couple of the houses just across the bridge. They wanted to go back to their homes, but until we can do a full sweep of the town, I didn't think that would be wise. He continued to scroll around the town, stopping to point at a few zombies wandering around the southern portion. Well, from the looks of things, we should have it cleared out today, Rogers declared as he made another note. At least the streets will be. Leon nodded thoughtfully. Yeah, I'm gonna have the bridge teams go door to door and knock on windows and stuff, he suggested. It's not gonna be perfect, but it should give us an idea of how many houses need to be cleared. Speaking of cleared, the detective began. Leon held up a hand. I know what you're gonna say, and I might actually have some good news on that front. By all means, lay it out for me, Rogers replied with a sigh because the thought of having to clear out thousands of charred corpses does not sound like good news no matter how you slice it. His partner wrinkled his nose. Well, it's going to be a grisly job no matter what. However, Landry told me that there were a couple of ditch diggers in the school garage. He shrugged. Guess they were sharing space with the city, but regardless of why, they are there. Oh, goody, we have mechanical help in digging mass graves, Rogers said dryly. Leon grinned. Look at the bright side, detective. You're in charge of the town, so you can delegate the cleanup. That sounds like a volunteer offer to me, his partner laughed. Apparently that bullet took out your hearing as well as your ear, Leon replied. We're pretty clear now if you want me to run over to the hospital and get you a hearing aid. Rogers slapped his knee. I tell you what, when you have some actual good news for me, you can go get the hearing aid. Deal. Leon replied and held out his hand. They shook on it as the town nurse walked in, brow furrowing at the laughter escaping the two men. This wasn't the mood I was expecting to find in the room, she admitted. Leon shook his head. Sometimes you gotta laugh to stop from crying. Funny, a lot of the teachers I worked with lived by that motto, she said. Rogers turned to face her. How's Reed doing? The only positive thing I can say is that the bite wasn't incredibly deep, she replied with a sigh. The infection has fully set in, and there's nothing I can do for him. But with the severity of it, it could be worse. Leon's gaze darkened. He has a death sentence, how could it be worse? He could be in severe pain, she shot back. He could have already died. Because of the bite being light, he could still have near complete movement and it probably bought him an extra day, maybe two. And there you have it, Leon muttered. Rogers clenched and unclenched his jaw. Is he in quarantine? We set up a room for him in one of the houses away from everyone else, she explained. Your military friends took shifts overnight to keep watch on him. Leon checked his watch. Well, if you're right and he does have a few more days, he should be here with the others soon. Have you had a chance to check out the survivors from the high school? The detective asked. She nodded. Nobody has any major injuries, although they are a little malnourished. Who isn't these days? Leon sighed. Tiago Rivas, Roger said easily, jutting out his chin. And that's probably the end of the list. His partner raised an eyebrow. About time we did something about that, don't you think? I'll leave you boys to it then. The nurse replied, raising a hand to wave as she headed for the door. If you need me, you know where to find me. As she left, 
She held the door open so the rest of the squad could enter. Sergeant Hammond led the way with his team, Trenton and Clara on their heels. The door shut and stayed closed while everyone said their good mornings, and then opened again. As soon as Reed entered, the room fell silent. He scowled. That shit is gonna get real old real quick, he said. Yeah, I'm bit. Yeah, I'm gonna die sooner rather than later. He looked around at the wide-eyed faces. But right now I can be productive, so the sooner everybody stops treating me like a coddled fucking child, the sooner we can get to getting shit done. Anybody have a fucking problem with that? As everyone shook their heads, he raised his chin. Good, now for the most important question of the day. Is there coffee? Ethel waved to him from the machine. I got a fresh pot brewing, hun, she called. I'll bring some over as soon as it's done. Thank you, Ethel, he said, bowing a little and then pulled up a chair, grimacing as he sat in it. Now, how the hell are we gonna take out the cartel head? Before anyone could speak, the air horn from the front of town went off, signaling an incoming vehicle. Chapter Two What the hell is the cartel doing here? Rogers asked, getting up from his chair. They're not due a delivery today. Leon shook his head. Doesn't matter why they're here, he said icily. Only thing that matters is that they are here. Hammond reached for his weapon, but the detective waved him off. Why don't you all take up shelter in the back room there, he suggested. Cartel doesn't know you're here, and frankly, they don't need to know. Hammond nodded and waved to his team, and the soldiers filed off into the back room. Leon moved to the window and furrowed his brow as he peered outside. Hold up, he said, waving them back. This isn't a normal pickup. There was just a lone SUV that stopped outside of the command center, with only one dark figure in the driver's seat. The door opened, and Rodriguez popped out. Leon smiled, his shoulders relaxing. Good to know he took my words to heart. He jogged to the door and headed outside, as the others clustered around the windows to watch. This is your cartel contact? Hammond asked, as he stepped up beside Rogers. The detective nodded. Yep. You trust him? The sergeant asked. He risked his life to save mine, Rogers replied. Hammond cocked his head. Good enough for me. Leon led Rodriguez back inside, and everyone spread out a bit into a loose circle so he could make his entrance. He blinked at the team in fatigues. Your numbers have grown since the last time I was here, he said, letting out a low whistle. You have Angel and Tiago convinced you're down to two scouts. Leon shrugged. Well, we talked it over and decided we were going to need some backup. Rodriguez nodded and stepped towards Rogers, extending his hand. I was the ear, my friend. It's fine as long as I don't look in the mirror, the detective replied, shaking his friend's hand with a smile. Leon rolled his eyes. He asked how your ear was, not your face. The well-timed joke cut the awkwardness in the room, and Rodriguez barked a laugh, holding up his hands as everyone chuckled. He said it, not me, he said. Rogers shook his head. Seriously, though, the ear is fine, he assured him. Taking a little time to get used to the sight of it, that's all. I sincerely wish there had been another way. Rodriguez clasped his hands together, eyes regretful. 
the detective laughed. Yeah, me too. Ethel headed over with the coffee pot and handed the newcomer a mug. He took it with surprise, blinking at the older woman as she filled it with steaming coffee. Thank you, ma'am, he said with a grin. It's good to see hospitality is still alive and well in the apocalypse. She patted his shoulder. Well, cartel or not, the detective and Leon say you're good, which is all I need to hear. You need a refill, you just give a holler. I will, thank you, he replied, inclining his head to her. He took a long sip as she walked away, letting out a soft moan at the taste. So, he finally continued, forgive me for cutting straight to the point, but I have a limited amount of time before they wonder where I am. What is this urgent matter, Leon? Leon crossed his arms. We're going to assassinate Tiago Rivas. There was complete silence as Rodriguez stopped mid-sip and slowly lowered his mug. He stared blankly at Leon, shock evident on his face. Private Landry approached and pulled out his flask, pouring a little dollop into the cup. Here you go, bud, this might help, he muttered. Got me through that bullshit yesterday. Rodriguez looked at the cup and then at the soldier and then nodded in appreciation before taking a long sip. He took a deep breath and finally said, on the face of it, this is a terrible idea. He raised a hand as Leon's mouth opened. However, I realize you're in a desperate situation, so I will hear you out with an open mind. Leon pressed his palms together. About all we can ask for, really. The demands from Tiago and Angel are killing us, both literally and figuratively, Rogers piped up. We've looted the most likely source of alcohol in Van Horn, and we don't have the manpower or resources to venture into Fort Stockton. We have enough offerings to get us through another week, but unless something comes up in our search of Fabens, that's all we have. Realistically, what do you think will happen when we don't have anything else to hand over? Rodriguez took a deep breath. My guess is that Tiago will give Angel the green light to burn this town to the ground, and everyone in it, he admitted. They fight constantly over this place. To put it mildly, Angel resents being sent out here on errands for his father, so he won't have any hesitation when it comes to destroying it. That was our conclusion as well, Leon replied. Rodriguez turned, taking a sip of his spiked coffee, as he began to pace back and forth in quiet contemplation. He finally stopped, draining the rest of his mug and setting it on the table. He held up his hands. If you want my blessing and my help, I have conditions. Understandable, Leon said. Rodriguez lowered his hands and leaned on the table behind him. Since I assume your grand plan is for me to seize control of the cartel once Tiago is eliminated, I have to have plausible deniability, he began. Angel will suspect me regardless of what happens, but if I can make a convincing case to the men that I had no idea it was coming, I should be successful in my bid. He paused to smile at Ethel, who approached to refill his mug. Secondly, nobody from this town that the cartel is currently aware of can be directly involved in whatever plan you have. Well, gang, guess that means us. Hammond cut in. Rodriguez nodded as he lifted his cup. You are correct. He motioned to the man for his name. Sergeant Hammond, came the reply. You are correct, Sergeant, Rodriguez repeated. 
You four will be the only ones who can risk getting caught. The detective straightened his shoulders. What about me? Under no circumstances are you allowed in the city. Rodriguez shot back immediately, and Rogers nodded. So what is your plan to carry out this assassination? Leon scratched the back of his head. Kind of hoping you could help us out with that. We have been spitballing ideas, Rogers added. But without knowing Tiago's movements or tendencies, we're flying blind. Rodriguez pursed his lips in thought, and then took a sip of coffee. Tiago has always been something of a recluse, he said. Needless to say, the current state of the world hasn't given him any reason to change that. How fortified is his residence? Hammond asked. Rodriguez shook his head immediately. You're not getting in there. He held up a hand to Landry, who looked properly offended. Please don't take that as an insult to your abilities. I have no doubt you are very skilled at what you do. He sighed. That said, a direct assault on City Hall where he is would be nothing short of a suicide mission. All roads into the city are manned with guards, so getting in would be problematic. Even if you do get in, there are hundreds of armed and trained men within blocks of the building who would descend upon you within minutes. What about a lone sniper? Private Mathis piped up. I can get past the protective line and get into a firing position. Rodriguez studied the young man and rubbed his chin. This, this could work. However, there is an issue. Seems to be par for the course today, Leon muttered. There needs to be an event that would cause Tiago to be taken to his safe room. Rodriguez continued, ignoring him. Leon sat down at the satellite computer and pulled up the map of El Paso, centering on City Hall. Show us where it is. Rodriguez headed over and pointed to the front of the building, top floor on the east corner. Mathis leaned over Leon's shoulder and pointed to a square across the street from it. What is this building? He asked. Some sort of office building? Rodriguez replied with a shrug. It's unused at the moment. However, it's protected, albeit lightly. Mathis nodded. If I can get in there, I'll have a clear shot. Assuming something can be done to force Tiago into the safe room, Rodriguez repeated, straightening up. In our experience, Hammond cut in. It's hard to go wrong with a car bomb and a firefight. Rodriguez turned to him and took a deep breath. While that wouldn't force him into the safe room, it would be a reason for me to leave, he said. If you can hit one of the checkpoints, I'll be forced to come deal with the situation. And that might help me out in getting across the line, Mathis added. The sergeant clapped him on the shoulder. Car bomb and firefight it is then. Sergeant, one thing you must understand, Rodriguez said, shaking his head. I will do what I can to help your team. However, I can't be viewed by the men as going easy on you as it would defeat the entire purpose of this mission. Don't you worry about it, Rodriguez, Hammond assured him. You do what you gotta do, and we'll handle our business. Any help you can give us will be greatly appreciated, though. Leon leaned back in his chair. Still begs the question, though, how do we drive Tiago to the safe room? Would it be possible to get one of your men to initiate a false alarm? Rogers asked. Rodriguez shook his head. Not without sacrificing the men he replied. I've seen what they do to traitors, and I would never ask anyone to subject themselves to that. Is there any other room he stays in where we can get a shot? Leon asked. Rodriguez pointed to the screen. 
The only building with a direct line of sight to his office is the hotel across the street, he said. But it's where the men are housed when they aren't on duty. So that's a no, then, Leon replied with a sigh. Reed stepped forward. What about zombies, he asked, and the room fell silent. What would happen if a runner got loose in City Hall? Rodriguez thought for a moment. Without a doubt, that would force him into the safe room, he agreed. But I question how this would be achieved. The younger man stood up and lifted his shirt, revealing his wound. It gets achieved because you will take me there. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Chapter 3 Rodriguez's brow furrowed in confusion until Reed pulled down his bandages to reveal his infected bite mark. Trenton clenched his fists. Man, you don't have to, unless someone has a better idea, Reed cut in, replacing his bandages and shirt. This is the only way. Now the question is, can you get me in? Rodriguez began to pace again, the wheels turning in his head. The only way it would be possible is if you committed an unpardonable sin against the cartel, he mused. Something so heinous that Tiago would want to deal with you personally. Anything less than that, and Angel would just shoot you and move on. Clara's hand shot into the air so high that she stood up from her seat. What about a dead cartel member? Would that do the trick? Yes, Rodriguez said slowly and raised an eyebrow. However, I get the sense I would have a problem finding a volunteer for that one. Clara waved her hands back and forth in front of her face. No, no, you wouldn't have to find anyone, she said. All I have to do is go down to Marfa and borrow one of their bodies. There are dead cartel members in Marfa? Rodriguez asked. She nodded. Yeah, long story short is that they came in from the east and started causing trouble at the beginning of all this, she explained, the words tumbling out quickly. The locals didn't take too kindly to it, so they crucified them. There was a short silence as everyone processed her words. Goddamn. Landry finally said, these West Texas boys don't fuck around. Trenton held up his hands. Clara, that's going to be dangerous, he said. Didn't you say they'd shoot you if you came back? It's a chance we're going to have to take, she replied firmly. I fear as though she's right, Rodriguez agreed. Reed presenting that body might be the only way to get him into position. He turned to the younger man, expression hard. You need to understand what is going to happen when you come out with the body. Angel will go ballistic, but I will step up. He pulled out a large hunting knife from his belt. However, I'm going to have to stab you in the gut with this blade. Reed glanced at the knife and then looked back at the man, jutting out his chin. If this is the only way, then it's the only way. Why the hell do you have to stab him for? Trenton demanded shrilly. Because it'll mask the bite, Reed answered as if it were obvious. All anyone will see is the knife wound, so it'll allow me to get inside. 
Rodriguez shook his head and took a deep breath. I admire your courage, he admitted. If I had your conviction at that age, my life may have gone very, very differently. I appreciate that, Reed replied. I do have a question, however. The older man continued. How do you plan to turn? The younger man shrugged. I figure between you, Leon, the military boys here, and the nurse, one of you must know of a way to come up with a poison pill I can bite into at the right moment. Everyone shared nervous glances, and Leon finally sat forward. Yeah, I know something that'll do the trick, he said reluctantly. But it's not going to be pleasant. Reed shrugged as he sat back down in his chair with a hiss. Neither is getting stabbed in the gut, but here we are. Rodriguez patted him on the shoulder and then turned towards the sniper. I'm sorry, I never got your name. It's Mathis, sir, the young man replied. Mathis, Rodriguez repeated. May I ask what weapon you are using? The sniper nodded. Standard issue M24. Is that a 7.62 round? The older man asked. Mathis nodded again. Yes. This is no good, Rodriguez replied. It's accurate at over a thousand yards, Mathis replied, voice almost petulant. If I'm in position, I can hit him. Rodriguez put up his hand, palm out. Of that, I have no doubt, he said. Unfortunately, his safe room is protected. Protected how? Rogers asked. He insisted on being able to see the outside in the event of an emergency, Rodriguez explained. As there is a lack of reliable power, he opted for blast-proof reinforced glass to be installed, rather than cameras. Mathis slumped in his chair. The detective crossed his arms. I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume you don't have the firepower to break through it, he asked. Maybe if I had three shots in a row that all hit the exact same point, the sniper replied. Leon and Hammond glanced at each other, and then both said, the armory, at the same time. Fort Bliss? Rodriguez asked. Yep, Fort Bliss, Leon replied. Unless your boys were able to get to it, there should be some 50 cals in there. Hammond clapped his sniper on the shoulder. What do you think, Private? A 50 cal get through that glass? Hell, Sarge, Mathis replied, eyes lighting up. With a 50 cal, I could just shoot through the concrete wall. If your military left them there, then they'll still be there, Rodriguez said. Rogers raised an eyebrow. Tiago didn't even try to get in there? Oh, he tried, the other man replied with a smirk. As soon as we took over, but he abandoned it after losing a squad of his best men. Leon pursed his lips. Doesn't sound like him to just up and quit a project like that. Well, Rodriguez drew out the word. I may have told him that my personal team found that the military took everything when they abandoned it. Rogers nodded knowingly. A little fibbing never hurt anybody, am I right? Private Whitaker checked her gun, and she and Landry stood up with Hammond. What are you doing? Rodriguez cocked his head. The sergeant jammed his thumb over his shoulder. Getting ready to go get that 50 cal. Not with those you aren't. Rodriguez shot back, pointing to the giant rifle on Whitaker's shoulder. Landry threw up a hand. The fuck are you talking about? We're not using these. Rogers put a hand out to stop Rodriguez, taking a step forward. Because the last thing we're gonna want is the cartel to hear gunshots and finding us at the base. Landry scowled 
but then pressed his lips into a thin line as he accepted the detective was right. God motherfucking damn it, he pouted. Can I just have one day where this shit is easy? Don't worry about him, Whitaker piped up. He'll be fine. Rodriguez sized her up. Do you have hand-to-hand weapons? Yep, she replied, twirling a Little League baseball bat around her fingers. Looks like we're going to have to Louisville slugger our way through them. He nodded. Just be aware that patrols go by there regularly, he warned. Every 15 to 20 minutes, your best bet is going to be getting in on the north side via the airport. Thanks for the intel, Hammond replied. Rodriguez checked his watch. I have to be getting back, he said. We won't be able to communicate until after the operation. When you strike the checkpoint, I recommend the main one on I-10. The attack should force them to bring in reinforcements who will come in from the north. There is a checkpoint about ten blocks up, which will be our best bet to get across Mathis. Everything else will have to improvise. The sergeant grinned. That's what we do best. Good luck, Rodriguez replied, giving a nod of respect. I hope to see you all on the other side of this, still standing. He glanced around and then left the room. The door shut behind him, leaving everyone in stillness. Rogers finally clapped his hands together, breaking the silence. Well, let's get this show on the road, he said brightly. That 50 cal isn't going to liberate itself. Where do you think you're going? Leon demanded. Rodriguez said you couldn't leave town. The detective wagged his finger at his friend. No, he said I couldn't go to town. Never said I couldn't go to the base. I don't think he'd approve, Hammond put in and grabbed Whitaker's bat, giving it a little practice swing. But then again, he's not the one about to race into a horde of zombies armed with a little league bat. Mathis shrugged. The five of us should be able to get in and out without any issues. Sorry, Private, Hammond said, shaking his head. But you're staying here. The sniper blinked at him. What? He's right, young man, Leon cut in. If something happens to you in there, then I'm the one who's going to have to take the shot. And frankly, I've gotten used to my cushy office job. Besides, it'll give us time to plot out your course. Mathis stared longingly at his team and then nodded, sitting back down. If you handle the base, I'll go with Clara to Marfa, Trenton said, raising his hand. She shook her head. You can help them, I'll be fine. They said they'd shoot you if you ever came back, he said, brow furrowing. No way in hell you're going without backup. Now come on, let's roll. He walked straight out the door, leaving no room for argument. Clara stared after him, and then shrugged, addressing the room. Well, I guess the two of us are headed to Marfa. She headed out, and the rest filed after her, leaving Reed and Mathis alone with Leon. Hey, Reed, Leon said, motioning for him to come over from his corner. Why don't you come help us plan the assault? The younger man chewed his lip awkwardly. Not sure how much help I'd be. Sure you will, man, Mathis replied, waving to him. You lived in El Paso, right? Reed nodded. Yeah, that's right. You're gonna know stuff we won't. The sniper assured him. Never know what might come in handy. Reed nodded and got up, taking a seat closer to the duo. As they settled in, Ethel headed over to collect up all the empty mugs. Would you boys care for more coffee? She asked sweetly. Leon flashed her an award-winning smile. 
You know I can never say no to you, Ethel. Chapter Four Trenton and Clara wheeled out their motorcycles, rolling them over to the soldiers. How was the fuel situation looking? Rogers asked. Trenton checked his gauge and then pulled out the gas can from the side compartment, jiggling it. Looks like we need to make a run by the gas station before heading out. Might as well use the high test, no sense in saving it, the detective suggested. Pretty sure the generators aren't going to notice the difference. Trenton chuckled darkly. Only took until the apocalypse to be able to afford the good stuff. Just watch yourself when you're filling up, Rogers warned. Leon did a satellite sweep earlier, and there are still some stragglers. The younger man nodded. We'll be careful. Come on, we should get moving, Clara urged. It's a bit of a haul to Marfa. Rogers clapped Trenton on the shoulder. You heard the lady. The duo hopped onto their bikes, starting them up and chugging away towards the gas station. The detective watched them go for a moment, and then turned back to the trio of military warriors. The sergeant and Whitaker were double-checking their gear, optimizing hand weapons to make sure all were easily accessible. Landry leaned over and touched his toes, grabbing the backs of his calves and letting out a deep groan at the stretch. You okay there, bud? Rogers asked, raising an eyebrow. The private straightened up and then stretched his one arm back behind his head, switching to do the other. Gonna be bashing in a lot of heads today. I wanna make sure I'm limbered up. The detective watched with mild amusement at the elaborate stretching routine, and then shook his head, turning towards the other two. How are we looking over here? Melee weapons at the ready, Whitaker replied. Hammond motioned to his handgun holster. And sidearms for those close encounters on the inside. Not carrying your rifles? Rogers asked. Whitaker shook her head. That armory is chock full of destructive goodness, so we're going to want to carry as much back as we possibly can. And if we get in a firefight, it just means we'll have to loot the dead of their weapons, Hammond added. The detective rubbed his forehead. So just another day at the office. Damn straight, detective, the sergeant grinned. Landry stood up, bouncing back and forth on the balls of his feet. Okay, so how are we playing this? Rogers pulled a piece of paper out of his pocket, unfolding it to reveal a crudely drawn map. Good to see you take after Leon in the artistic department, Whitaker teased. Rogers shrugged. Simple but effective. Hey Landry, isn't that how you advertise your sexual prowess? Whitaker cocked her head. Hammond snorted. If so, then he's lying about half of that. The group shared a laugh at Landry's expense, and he just shrugged, grinning along with the rest. Rogers put the map down and spread it out on the hood of the truck, and they clustered around him. He traced his finger along the pencil marks as he spoke. Okay, so we're gonna have to take the long way around to get to the airport and approach it from the northwest, he began. There's a lot of desert out there, so it's unlikely they'll be patrolling that. Once we get there, we can work our way down on foot to the edge of the base. From there, it will be up to you to get us there. Hammond leaned in closer and then pulled out a pen, flipping the paper over to draw on the blank side. Once we get past the fence, we're gonna wanna haul ass to a line of warehouses that are here, he said as he drew. From there, it's a hell of a run to get to the armory that's on the other side of the base. This place is like a small fucking town, so there's going to be shit everywhere. How do we get access to the armory? 
Rogers asked. The sergeant reached into his breast pocket and pulled out a key card. The system is on a battery backup, and my clearance should still be good. Can't imagine anyone took the time to wipe out the database. All right, we got us a plan, the detective replied, standing up straight. He picked up the map and folded it back up, returning it to his pocket. Let's get rolling. Chapter five. Rogers parked the truck behind the furthest building on the infield of the airport, a small metal hangar. The foursome got out of the vehicle and took a moment to gather themselves and check their weapons. What, Landry, you're not going to grace us with more of your jazzercise? Whitaker asked. He grinned and shook his head. Sorry, ladies, only one show a day. So what time is tomorrow's show? The detective asked, cocking his head. I want to make sure I'm busy. Landry stretched his arms above his head. Just for that, it'll be a surprise performance. Hammond crept to the corner of the building and peered around it. How are we looking? Rogers asked, coming up behind him. The sergeant shook his head and leaned back. Minimal resistance, at least as far as I can tell, he said. It's a pretty good haul, though, to get to the base fence. Maybe half a mile. Any sign of a patrol? The detective asked. Hammond shook his head. Not yet, but we should assume they're always right around the corner. So what do you think? Rogers motioned to him. The sergeant raised his chin. Move up building by building, he replied. If we move at a good clip, our exposure should only be about 20 seconds out in the open. Good thing Landry already stretched, the detective teased. Hammond rolled his eyes. That's nothing he drawled. Man, I could tell you some stories. I'd really prefer it if you didn't, Rogers laughed. Hammond cracked a smile and smacked the detective on the shoulder as they headed back to the others. Listen up, he began. We're going to have to be swift between buildings. I'm leading the way, Whitaker behind me. When we get to an alleyway, we'll clear out anything that's there. Rogers, you and Landry are going to be responsible for anything that follows us in. Given the potential for patrols, we need to wait until the zombies are completely out of view of the main road, Rogers added. Last thing we need is a cartel patrol to see us down a zombie. Hammond nodded. Works for me, he agreed. Now let's do this. He led the group towards the first of several alleyways between the airplane hangars. He rushed around the corner, sprinting hard, his team hot on his heels. The footsteps attracted the attention of a few zombies in the middle of the road and they turned to amble after the newcomers. As Hammond reached the first building, he quickly turned, readying his bat for any surprises. There was a lone zombie 30 yards away, and Whitaker swept past him, holding up her bat as she confidently strode over. I got it, she said, and worked her way towards the snarling corpse. Rogers and Landry turned to combat the two working towards them, but the sound of an SUV in the distance put them all on high alert. Hammond waved for them to retreat, and the duo trotted behind the corner. Rogers peered out and watched the vehicle crest the road and slow down, presumably to have a look at the two zombies hanging about. It didn't stay long, however, and sped away after no sign of human activity. We're clear, Rogers called. He and Landry jumped out from the alley and swung down hard, caving in the heads of their enemies. As they dropped, 
They smashed them in the backs of the skulls just to be sure. Come on, we gotta drag them, the detective said. Landry nodded, and they each grabbed a fallen creature, dragging them into the alleyway. You weren't spotted? Hammond asked. Rogers shrugged. If I was, they didn't give a shit. That gives us ten minutes to get into the base, the sergeant replied. So fuck the alleyways, Whitaker asked, as she returned from her own execution. Fuck the alleyways, Hammond confirmed. Let's roll. The foursome rushed ahead towards the fence. They ran down the center of the road between the two sets of hangars that lined the street. There were a few zombies still shambling around, but the team just ran by them, knowing that time was short. Hammond and Landry ducked their shoulders and knocked a few of them to the ground, hoping that having them on their asses would delay them enough so they didn't interfere at the fence. As they approached the last alleyway before the fence, zombies began to pour out. At first it was a handful, but as they reached it, there were dozens clogging it. Run faster, Hammond urged. They darted forward, but Landry slowed down to a stop, staring down the 80 or so zombies coming out of the alley. Run, you dumb motherfucker, Whitaker snapped over her shoulder. He shook his head. Get that fence cut, he barked back. He honed in on the lead ghoul and lunged forward. What's up, buddy? he asked, and shoved the tip of his bat into its chest. He pushed it back into a group of others, sending half a dozen of them crashing to the ground. He began to back away as the fringe zombies decided he was the most interesting thing in the world. A lone creature managed to break away from the back and get ahead, and Landry cracked it over the head, dropping it and tripping up a few behind it. He smacked a few others, and then glanced over his shoulder to see the fence open, his team sliding through. He finally broke away and sprinted from the mini horde, rushing towards the fence just as Rogers slid through the hole. He quickly slipped in after him and followed the others across the field to the first building they could see. As they ran behind Hammond, they tried their best to remain parallel with the center of the building, keeping as much cover as they could. They reached the back wall close to the door. The sergeant knelt and began to work on the lock as the others peered in through the windows. Big empty warehouse, Whitaker murmured. Rogers shook his head. I'm not seeing anything either. We'll know for sure in just a second, Hammond said. Landry stood with his back to them, staring at the fence 50 yards back. The zombies seemed to have given up the chase, moving away from the cut hole. Doesn't look like they're following us, he said. Whitaker turned to look. With any luck, they'll get bored and wander off before we come back. If not, we'll have something for them, Rogers added. The door lock clinked open, and Hammond got to his feet. Let's move. He threw open the door and rushed in, bat raised. Nothing jumped out at him, and he moved to the right to check the handle of the office door there. It was secure. The others bustled in. Landry closing and locking the door behind them. They stared around the large space, easily a hundred yards across. The sunlight pouring in through the skylights gave them just enough light to see by. The sergeant nodded to his team. Let's catch our breath and get ready to move again. Chapter Six Landry looked outside at the small set of office buildings through the window. 
Uh, Sarge, think we got a problem. The rest of the team headed over to his position, staring out the window. There were several hundred zombies standing between them and the office complex. Mother of fuck, Whitaker breathed. Rogers let out a low whistle. Took the words right out of my mouth. Landry, you want to show us some of those limbering up techniques? Whitaker asked. The detective shook his head. We could have an army of Hank Aarons, and I don't think it would be enough against that. Be honest, Whitaker said slyly. You're just afraid I'll crack more skulls than you. Rogers smirked. Given our little wager, that's definitely a concern. Landry groaned loudly. Okay, I'm gonna just head out there. Settle down, Hammond said with a chuckle. I know they're inappropriate, but no need to commit suicide. Who said anything about suicide? Landry replied. I'm gonna head out there and draw them up to the north side fence so y'all can get through. Rogers furrowed his brow. There has to be a better way than that. Sure, if there were 30 of us and we could use guns, Landry replied with a shrug. But we have neither, and even if we did, there's a chance that there's another group waiting for us at the next set of buildings. So I'm gonna pull them out of the way. It's a hell of a run between here and the north fence, and nothing but clear fields standing in my way. I'll lure them up there, slip on through, and then circle back to where we came in to help y'all lug the hall back to town. Whitaker and Rogers glanced at each other, and Hammond stared out the window, a hard expression on his face. He finally sighed. Get moving, soldier, he said, turning to the younger man. And remember, no guns. I'm on it, Landry replied with a salute, and then ran off to the north side of the building. He cracked open the door and peeked out, seeing only a few zombies about 20 yards away. He fell into a crouch, getting ready to take off. Well, this was a fan-fucking-tastic idea, he muttered to himself, and then readied his bat. He took a deep breath and jumped outside, slamming the large metal door behind him. The loud noise grabbed the attention of the nearby zombies, and he ran up to them, swinging hard. He took down a corpse in military fatigues, and then whipped around to bring the bat down on top of the next contender. Woo! He screamed turning his attention towards the horde of a hundred clustered around the other side. Come get me, you pus-filled motherfuckers, woo! He spread his arms, puffing out his chest, relishing in the opportunity to be a defiant badass in the face of an overwhelming mass of the dead. Yeah, come on now, each and every one of you bastards will get a shot at me. He began to walk slowly backwards, hooting as the horde lumbered towards him. As they closed the gap, Coming within about 30 yards, he turned his back, rested his bat on his shoulder, and whistled as he strolled like the Pied Piper of zombies. It took about 20 minutes for him to lead the massive cluster across the field towards the fence. It's been fun, y'all, but time for me to get on out of here, he said, and took a bow. He jogged towards the fence and tossed his bat up and over. He climbed up easily, and then at the top, used his knife to slice the three rows of outward-facing barbed wire. The tension caused the wires to spring back out of the way, and he hopped over, landing on his feet. He picked up the bat, turning to admire his handiwork as the ghouls pressed against the fence. Not a bad job if I say so myself. He turned towards the road, and then froze as a black SUV rolled towards him. He took a deep breath, 
and then relaxed his posture, keeping it cool. Two cartel members got out of the vehicle, staying calm as well, not drawing their weapons. They stood in front of the SUV, sizing him up. Hey, boys, how's your day going? Landry asked. The two men chittered to each other in Spanish and laughed. Not sure what's funny about this situation, Landry said with a shrug. But you do you. They continued to chat in Spanish, and then the one on the left reached for his gun. Landry reacted immediately, flinging his bat towards his face. It bonked him straight in the forehead, and the stunned man fell back against the hood of the SUV, unconscious. The other man's eyes widened with panic, and he scrambled for his own gun, giving Landry time to rush him. He tackled him, wrapping a hand around his throat. The man flailed wildly as the soldier pulled his knife, moving for his jugular. The man shook his head, trying to get his hands up to protect himself, but Landry slipped the blade through his Adam's apple. The cartel member gurgled something, and then fell to the ground, blood pooling around him. Landry wiped his knife on the man's shirt, and then cocked his head, looking at the unconscious partner. Now what to do with you? He looked around, suddenly realizing he'd created a bit of a mess. Okay, think. Can't just leave them here, or it'll set off alarm bells. Can't hide the truck for the same reason. He paced back and forth. Fuck. The unconscious man groaned and began to move. Landry casually walked over and picked up the bat, cracking him over the head a few times. He stepped back, staring at the splatter of blood he'd sent across the front of the vehicle. Fuck me, what am I gonna do? He scrubbed his hands down his face, and then reared on the excited zombies rattling the fence behind him. Will you assholes shut the fuck up? I'm trying to think. He suddenly froze, a smile creeping over his face. You know what? Leave it up a bit, he bellowed. Bang that fence, cause you are about to get a snack. He trotted to the SUV and opened up the doors. He dragged one body to the passenger's seat and with some finagling, heaved him up into it. He grabbed the seatbelt and shoved him back, snapping it into place. Buckle up for safety, bud, Landry declared brightly. He smacked the man on the chest before going back to the front and dragging the other man to the driver's seat. He buckled him in as well and then reached in to start up the car. He rolled down the windows, hoping that once they find you boys, they won't look too closely at this. He popped the vehicle into neutral and gave it a hard shove. It moved slowly, but with enough force that it crashed through the fence. It rolled over quite a few zombies, but the rest of them managed to force their way into the doors still ajar. Within seconds, the horde gnawed at the cartel members, destroying the evidence. Landry watched with trepidation. Really hope they buy this as an accident, he muttered, and then picked up his bat, turning to begin the long trip back to the meetup point, leaving the zombies to their feast. Chapter seven. Okay, Clara said, as they stopped just before crossing the town line. We go up two blocks, then hang a left. That's the main road, and they're at the far edge of town. Trenton took a deep breath. What's the plan? We ride up quick, grab the smallest body we can find, throw it on one of our laps and get out of Dodge, she replied. 
We can figure out how to tie it up once we're clear. He nodded. I'll take the body. Okay. She motioned to his lap. Then as soon as we get it cut down, you get back on your bike and I'll throw it on. He hesitated. And if there's trouble? Take cover and let me handle things, she said firmly. He nodded, and they revved up their bikes, taking off. They sped down the highway before turning sharply onto the main road through town. They went at a good clip, rolling past the empty blocks as their target grew closer. But just at the last block, a shot rang out, hitting the ground in front of Trenton. He slammed on the brakes, and Clara skidded to a stop as well, a bullet whizzing right past her head. Get to the store, she cried, and leapt off of her bike. Trenton followed suit, and the motorcycles hit the pavement as they sprinted for cover under a hail of bullets. He pulled out his handgun and returned fire, but his erratic shooting didn't do anything to quell their enemies. Clara drew her gun and fired at the glass door in front of them, shattering it so they could leap through into the building. They dove behind the counter as bullets ripped through the storefront, tearing apart the whole display. I don't think they're happy to see us. Trenton quipped. Clara grunted. You think? After a moment, the gunfire died down. The duo waited with bated breath. We told you not to come back, a man called from outside. Drop your weapons, get on your bikes and get out, or else. She took a deep breath and yelled, There's a reason we're here. And we don't give a fuck, the guy bellowed. Now drop your weapons and get out. There was a shuffle inside, and both Clara and Trenton froze, peering into the darkness. They didn't want to sit up, for fear of being shot. But from their vantage point, they were still able to see some movement in the back. I need to fire one more time, Clara called. It's not going to be towards you. You shoot, and we're going to open fire, the man outside yelled. She growled. Listen, she snapped. Either you let me shoot, or you're gonna have runners in this town. Do you understand? She kept her eyes on the zombie in the store, watching it struggle through some clothing racks. There's a shot coming in five seconds, whether you like it or not. She aimed her gun. After a brief pause, the man outside replied, Go ahead. Clara squeezed the trigger and dropped the corpse. She waited for more movement, more noise, but there was nothing. Satisfied, she turned her head. Now we need to talk, she called. There's nothing to talk about, came the reply. She grunted in frustration and turned to Trenton. Stay out of sight and don't do a goddamn thing unless they shoot me, she instructed. Not shoot at me, actually shoot me. You got that? What are you going to do, he hissed. She flipped her handgun around so that she held it by the barrel. Something other than cowering here. She propped herself up on her elbows. I'm coming out, don't shoot me. Come on now, the man outside urged. She got to her feet. Trenton emphatically shook his head. What are you doing, get down. Remember, do nothing unless they shoot me, Clara said in a low voice. She stepped through the broken glass and onto the street. As she emerged from the store, a trio of gunmen came out from their hiding spots, weapons trained on her. You can lose that gun now, the lead man declared. She carefully leaned down, setting her handgun on the sidewalk, raising her hands above her head as she straightened back up 
Now, where is that cowboy who was in charge the last time I was here? Andrew? The guy shrugged. He's busy. Well, he needs to get unbusy, because I need to talk to him, Clara demanded. The guy sneered at her. Well, it could be a while. I got all day, she shot back. And so does my crack shot of a friend, so unless you want to risk your life over this, I'd suggest you make the call. She stared him down defiantly, and he finally sighed. He pulled out a walkie-talkie and raised it to his lips. Andrew, you copy? What is it? The cowboy replied through the radio. The gunman glared at Clara. That crazy girl from the other day is back and real insistent on talking to you. There was a long pause, and then Andrew replied, I'm on my way. The guy put his radio away, and Clara nodded her head, smiling politely. Appreciated, she said, and then slowly stepped back, plonking herself on the curb to stretch out her legs. And now we wait. Chapter Eight Hammond, Rogers, and Whitaker skidded to a stop in front of an office building on the other side of the cleared field. The sergeant got down on one knee to work at the lock, but Whitaker reached over him and simply opened the door. He shook his head and shrugged, standing back up. Clear the immediate space and be ready to retreat if necessary. The duo nodded, and he flung open the door. The trio rushed into the office area, a vast space filled with cubicles. The room was moderately bright, thanks to the wall of floor-to-ceiling windows along the one side. As they moved, they spread out, each of them taking an aisle and walking carefully down it to sweep the area. Rogers accidentally kicked a stapler on the floor, and it slammed into one of the flimsy cubicle walls causing enough of a clatter that reverberated in the space. A few moans rose up in response, and within moments, half a dozen zombies emerged from the far end of the room. They staggered through the aisleway fairly spread apart, and the trio managed to take them down with their bats without incident. I think we're clear, Rogers declared as the last one fell. Whitaker smirked. You want to kick another wall just to make sure? Hammond moved to the end of the building taking position at the far wall. He pulled back the blinds to look towards their next target, the apartment complex. How are we looking, Sarge? Whitaker asked as they caught up. He shrugged. Could be worse. Whitaker and Rogers looked out to see about a 100 zombies in the open field leading to the apartment complex. They were spread out fairly well, a few feet away from each other. The detective let out a deep breath. That's gonna be a hell of a run, he said. What's on the other side of the apartments? Just the college building, then the armory, Whitaker replied. Rogers shook his head. Man, you weren't kidding about this being a small town. There's even a movie theater if you wanna catch a flick later, she quipped. The detective grinned. Are you asking me out? He winked at her. Because I need to be wined and dined. Are you two done? Hammond asked because I can give you 15 minutes if you need it. He cocked his head, and they sheepishly turned to him. Now we're gonna have to run like hell through these fuckers. Looks like there's a mess of them on the road, so we're gonna have to plow through the complex. Rogers nodded. What's the layout like? Eight buildings situated in a square, two on each side, and a big courtyard in the middle, Whitaker replied. 
The detective raised an eyebrow. So we get through there, then what? With any luck, it's a clear path to the college building, Hammond replied. We get inside, cut through it, and the armory is in the building adjacent to it. All right, Rogers declared. Lead the way, Sergeant. Hammond readied his bat and put his hand on the door. The detective winked at Whitaker again, drawing out a small smile. The sergeant threw open the door and rushed towards the nearest zombie, grabbing it by the jean jacket and throwing it to the side into a cluster, knocking them all down. As the corpses hit the ground, several turned around, moaning, arms outstretched. Spread out, or we're gonna get surrounded, Hammond barked. Whitaker zoomed to the left and Rogers to the right, hoping to keep the crowd manageable. They ran through, shoving zombies left and right, knocking them down like bowling pins as they tore across the field. Hammond swung his bat like a machete in the jungle, cracking heads and leaving a trail of fallen corpses behind him. Even if they weren't dead, at least they were out of the way. Whitaker punched a short and stout zombie, jumping up to run up its back like a springboard and jumped clear of a cluster of three. Rogers spun and twirled, ducked and leapt, swinging only when he needed to so he could keep up his forward momentum. As they got closer to the apartments, the crowd began to thin, and Hammond pointed towards the breezeway of one of the buildings. The trio came back together, running full tilt towards the corridor. Everybody good? Hammond huffed as they sprinted, receiving grunts in the affirmative in return. Good, come on. He led them through the breezeway, cracking a zombie in the face on the way through. He skidded to a stop at the courtyard, near dropping his bat in shock. Fucking Christ, Rogers breathed as he nearly slammed into the back of the sergeant, Whitaker next to him. The courtyard was packed with zombies, hundreds of them. It was as if people had huddled there as they died, and then reanimated, unsure of how to get back out again. It didn't take long for them to notice the huffing trio had arrived. Upstairs, quick, Hammond cried, and darted up the stairs to the right, leading them up to the second floor. He ran to the far end of the walkway to the corner apartment. Cover me. Rogers and Whitaker took up defensive positions at the top of the stairs as he worked the lock. The horde of creatures navigated the stairs with clumsy legs, slowly but surely making progress towards the top. So what kind of movie girl are you? Rogers asked, voice tight as he tried to break the tension. Action, horror, chick flick? Whitaker gaped at him. Chick flick, really? Just because you're rough and tumble doesn't mean you don't have a sensitive side, he defended. You should see me at Christmas with those Lifetime movies. She laughed. Hope there's alcohol involved. I'm a homicide detective, thought that was implied he replied. They shared a smile and then lunged forward to start playing whack-a-mole with the zombies. They struck repeatedly in an attempt to stem the tide. One creature lunged forward, grabbing Whitaker's tricep, and Rogers swung down hard enough to sever the limb from its body. She grabbed the arm and wrenched it free of herself, tossing it aside before they continued their assault. How we looking, Sarge? She called over her shoulder. Fuckers locked the deadbolt, gonna need a minute, Hammond replied. Whitaker grunted. May wanna make that 30 seconds. The sergeant glanced back to see that a mere 15 feet away, 
His comrades desperately fought a swell of rotted corpses. Fuck. He took a deep breath and finally managed to pop the lock. We're in. He rushed inside, holding the door open for the duo to sail through, and then slammed and locked it behind them. Rogers and Whitaker immediately moved through the apartment, sweeping for zombies. When they found it clear, they headed for the living room, the detective stopping in the kitchen. He opened the fridge and gagged at the smell of rotted food. He grabbed a few bottles of water from the door and then strode into the living room, tossing one to each of his teammates. So now what? Whitaker asked as she unscrewed the cap from her bottle. Hammond took a deep breath. Pretty sure we aren't going out the same way we came in. Thank you for that insightful sit rep, Sarge, she replied, sarcasm evident as she rolled her eyes. That's why you're in charge. He grinned, and don't you forget it. Rogers headed over to the patio door, sliding it open carefully to keep the noise low. He looked out to the side, noting that the next building over was pretty close, the patio only about 10 feet away. Down on the ground, there were no zombies in sight. He stepped back inside. How do you feel about patio jumping? Are they that close together? Hammond asked. The detective shrugged. You tell me. The soldiers approached and peeked out, taking stock of the area. That's a hell of a gap, Whitaker mused. Rogers, you think you can make that? He raised an eyebrow. With a little bit of help, I can. You want me to cheer you on? She raised her hands in the air, miming pom-poms. He chuckled, trying to ignore the image of the lithe soldier in a cheerleading uniform. I was thinking more of a tug-of-war. It took a moment, but his friends slowly caught on to what he meant. Not bad, detective, Whitaker said thoughtfully. Let's see what we can find. She waved for him to follow her, heading back to the bedroom while Hammond measured the jump. The sergeant stepped out onto the patio and counted the steps to the railing. He walked through the motions, planting his foot and then pretending to jump off. He pursed his lips and then let out a deep sigh. That's gonna be close, he muttered, and then turned as the others came out holding a large bedsheet. Rogers, how's your back? The detective held up a hand and wiggled it back and forth. Iffy, and I'd like to keep it that way if possible. Springboard, Sarge? Whitaker asked. Hammond nodded. Yep. I gotcha, where do you want me? She replied. He pointed to a spot on the ground a few feet from the railing. She got down on all fours and braced herself as he grabbed the sheet, walking back to the edge of the patio. Rogers stepped out of the way. You ready? Hammond asked, cocking his head. Whitaker nodded. Bring it, Sarge. Hammond bounced back and forth on the balls of his feet and then leapt forward, planting his foot on the private's back, launching to the railing, and then propelling himself across the gap. He landed on the other railing with his gut, the wind knocking out of him, but he held on tight. Grunting, he was able to flop over, landing with a thud on his back. He caught sight of the open patio door and struggled to his feet, gasping, as a zombie came out of the shadows, moaning and grasping. He grabbed it by the shirt and belt, flinging it over the railing. It landed hard on its head, snapping its spine. Hammond glanced back at the others, nodding and giving a thumbs up. 
They tossed their baseball bats, and he caught them, propping them up next to him. He dropped the end of the bedsheet and planted his foot on top of it, balling up the rest and tossing it across. Whitaker caught it and wrapped the end around her arm. Help me up, will you? She asked, and Rogers gave her a boost up onto the railing. She locked eyes with Hammond, and then held up three fingers to signify a countdown. When she got to one, she leapt, and the sergeant jerked hard on the sheet, giving an extra boost to pull her across. She landed on her gut as well, but he pulled her over, setting her down on the ground. She gave him a thumbs up as she caught her breath, and he clapped her on the shoulder, balling up the sheet to throw it back across to Rogers. The detective climbed up on top of the railing, wrapping the sheet around his arm tight. He did his own countdown, and then leapt. Hammond jerked, but it wasn't enough, and Rogers lashed out, managing to grab the bottom of the rungs. He bit down on his tongue to keep from crying out at the strain on his shoulders. Whitaker hit the ground, reaching through the rungs to grab one of his hands, and Hammond leaned over the top of the railing to grab the other. They struggled as Rogers attempted to hook a leg up onto the patio, but soon they had him over, slumped in a heap on the concrete, huffing. Never skipping leg day again, he wheezed. The sergeant grunted. Goddamn right you're not, detective. He clapped him on the shoulder, and the three of them staggered into the apartment to catch their breaths out of sight. Whitaker headed for the door, peeking through the peephole to look for enemies. Nothing on the landing, she said. Still gonna be too risky to go that way, Hammond replied. Rogers finally regulated his breathing and headed back out to the balcony, walking to the far end and looking down. I don't think we have to risk it, he said, as he re-entered the apartment. There aren't any of those things below us, and the field to the next building isn't too bad. I say we just climb down and make a run for it. You think you can handle that? Whitaker raised an eyebrow. The detective nodded. I'm a lot better vertical than I am horizontal. That's a shame, she smirked. Rogers winked at her. Not if you're flexible. I swear to God I will shoot you both, Hammond groaned. The duo apologized, sharing a playful smile. Now, the sergeant said, might want to tie a few knots in that sheet to help you out, detective. Rogers saluted him. On it. He set to work, tying some knots, and then secured the sheet to the railing, dropping it down to the ground. Hammond clambered over the side and began the climb down. As soon as he hit the ground, Whitaker tossed down the bats, and he headed off to secure the area. There weren't any zombies on the side of the building, except for the paralyzed one he'd thrown off before. He stayed out of sight of the ones in the field as best he could, as the other two climbed down without incident. The sergeant handed out their bats. Everybody ready? He asked quietly. They nodded, and then the trio took off running. The zombies were mostly oblivious, but Whitaker took the legs out from under one on her way by to keep it from getting too close to her comrades. It flipped onto its ass, moaning in surprise. Rogers grabbed a collared shirt and flung another corpse behind him, knocking over two more in the process. Hammond clonked one on the head, not sticking around to see if it fell, just making sure it was out of the way. They made it to the college building door, which happened to be unlocked. Hammond opened it, peering into the pitch darkness as the windows had been left shuttered closed. 
Flashlights, he whispered, and soon three beams of light cut through the space. Blood splattered the walls, corpses everywhere, chaos reigning supreme in the dim hallway. Some shit went down here, Whitaker murmured. Stay frosty. They walked cautiously, feet flat on the tiles to keep from making any noise. Every classroom they came to, one would break off to shut the door, just in case something was waiting to jump out at them and surprise them from behind. They got halfway down the hall when moans echoed towards them. Hammond motioned for Rogers and Whitaker to move forward, and he illuminated the area. As they came up to the corner, there were about 30 zombies gathered together, and then immediately turned at the sight of lights in their faces. Beat him down, Hammond barked and leapt forward. Rogers followed suit, and the two of them cracked a few skulls before stepping back again. Hammond flanked the group, smacking his bat on the ground to draw some of them from the pack. He darted forward, using his bat as a spear to catch the lead zombie in the chest, and shoved it back into the others, creating a 7-10 split among the group. He smacked back and forth with two precise swings and got the upper hand on the others that struggled to find their footing over their writhing brethren. He drove his weapon down forcefully multiple times like a man possessed, leaving a squashed, bloody mess in his wake. Once the sergeant looked up, he saw the dozen or so zombies still pushing towards Rogers and Whitaker. He ran up to the back end and thwacked them in the backs of the heads, dropping them one by one. Finally, the room was silent, except for the heavy breathing of Hammond, who looked around, looking crazed with blood streaked across his body. Sarge, you okay? Whitaker asked gently. He let out a deep, shuddering breath, and then looked at her. Huh? He scratched the back of his head. Yeah, sorry, just got a little possessed. Safe to say, if we ever start a town softball team, you're my first pick, Rogers declared. Whitaker clucked her tongue. Hey now. Rookie mistake, detective, Hammond said with a chuckle. Rookie mistake. He smacked the detective on the shoulder and walked past him, leading them to the exit that faced the armory. As they reached the exterior door, they looked out the small window. There were a few dozen zombies standing between them and their goal. Hammond reached for the knob, but Whitaker put a hand on his arm. Sarge, I think we need to take five. Let's get this done, Whitaker, he said firmly. Sarge, she replied, voice gentle. Let's take five. He took another deep breath and then nodded. You're right, he agreed and stepped back. Five it is. He headed down the hallway a bit to calm down. Is he okay? Rogers asked, motioning to the wired sergeant. Sarge? Whitaker nodded. Yeah, I think being in this darkened environment and being surrounded just triggered his PTSD. The detective looked over at the man in question. What happened to him? Not a story for me to tell, she replied, shaking her head. He raised his hands. Understandable. Bottle of Jack just might get you the answer, though, she said with a smirk. Just saying. He raised an eyebrow. I'll add it to the shopping list. We'll add two, because I'm a Jack girl, Whitaker said with a wink. Rogers grinned. Two cases added to the list. 
He pressed himself against the wall and sat down, patting the floor beside him for her to join him for a well-deserved break. Chapter 9 Clara sat cross-legged, staring down at her hands as the gunmen held her at bay. The silence was tense at best, and the minutes dragged on as they waited for Andrew. Finally, a beat-up old pickup truck rumbled down the road, stopping behind the barricade where the crucified men were. A tall cowboy stepped out and hopped the barrier, strolling over to the group. He stared down his nose at Clara. I have to say I'm disappointed to see you again, he said, shaking his head. I thought we had an understanding. We do have an understanding, she began. He crossed his arms. Obviously not. As I was saying, she growled, and her voice rose. We do have an understanding, but this is a special circumstance. He rolled his eyes. Let me guess, you need something from us, he sneered. Food, medicine, I really don't care what it is, because we aren't giving anything up. You're half right, she shot back. I do need something from you, but it's none of what you mentioned. He sighed and waved his hand at her. Go ahead, tell me what you want then, so I can get back to doing what I was doing. We need one of the cartel corpses, Clara said, pointing to the grisly scene. There was a moment of silence as all of the gunmen, cowboy included, stared at her with blank faces. Andrew shook his head as if to clear it. I'm sorry, I must have had a stroke just now, because it sounded like you said you wanted a corpse. Yep, she replied with a firm nod. I need one of those cartel corpses. What in the world for? One of the gunmen blurted. Andrew held up a hand. Let me guess, you cut a deal with the cartel, huh? He demanded. You bring back a corpse as proof we killed their men, and you get a reprieve from whatever they're doing to you. Meanwhile, me and mine get attacked. He pulled his gun and aimed it at her face. Clara immediately put out a hand to make sure that Trenton stayed down, and then slowly got to her feet. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't put you down right here and now, Andrew snarled. She grabbed the center of her shirt and began to pull it up out of the waistband of her pants, after shimmying the hem out, she grasped it and began to pull it up over her head. Sex isn't going to save you, Andrew snapped. She scowled as she pointed to her left breast, pulling the cup of her bra down just enough to show the large A carved into her flesh. The day after the cartel arrived in El Paso, some men cornered my friend and I in an alley, she began. They picked her up and started to carry her away, and when I fought back, they pinned me down and held me there, as Angel Rivas, the boss's son, came over to me. He pulled out his knife and held it to my throat, threatening to give me a Colombian necktie if I didn't calm down. He told me that I was a pretty little thing, but his dance card for the day was full. So he carved his initial into my chest to make sure nobody else spoiled me for him. He and his men walked off with my friend, who I never saw again, leaving me to bleed in an alley. She jutted out her chin and narrowed her eyes. So no, I'm not cutting a deal with the cartel. The only thing that will ever get cut is that motherfucker's throat. She pointed to the corpses. Now we need that body so we can take out Tiago Rivas and put in someone who is sympathetic to us, which will benefit you too, by the way. She put her shirt back on, 
and put her hands on her hips. Now are you going to help us or not? Andrew took a deep breath and let it out slowly. Which bike do you want the body on? Boss? One of the gunmen balked. Just do what I say, Andrew snapped. I believe her. And frankly, if she made that story up and carved that into herself, I don't think you want to be messing with her anyway. The gunman lowered his gaze. Okay, he mumbled. Ma'am, which bike do you want to use? The one next to you will be just fine, Clara replied. If you can get him strapped on the back, we'll take it from there. Trenton slowly came out of hiding as the men got to work, his gun holstered. He stepped up beside his friend, who looked like she was biting back tears. Are you okay? He asked. She nodded, blinking rapidly. I'm fine. She fixed him with a steel gaze. But you don't tell anybody else about this, you understand? Oh yeah, he replied quickly. This is between us. She inclined her head to the bike. Go on and help them, I'll be fine. As he ran off, Andrew stepped closer to her. Just so our understanding is crystal fucking clear this time, he said firmly. Nobody from your town is to come back here. We want to be left alone. I've been here twice, and both times I've had guns aimed at me, Clara replied with a sigh. Vacationing here isn't exactly high on my list. Only reason you'll see me again is if there's an emergency you need to be aware of. He pursed his lips, regarding her for a moment. You know, it's been my experience that when someone points a gun in your direction, you typically don't go out of your way to help them. These are not normal times, she said. If I have information that may help you and yours survive another day, I'm going to deliver it. Now you can make my life a whole lot easier by telling your boys to calm down whenever they see me. He paused, stroking his chin thoughtfully. As you can tell, we're not very trusting of outsiders. That's an understatement, she replied, wincing as one of the crucified cartel members hit the ground. Fair enough, Andrew replied, and then took a deep breath. So here's the deal. You and only you have permission to come here, and that's only if there's something vital. She cocked her head. Counteroffer, I'm going to come here once a week and check in. She held up a finger before he could object. Once a week, just to check in. We just cleared our town of those things, so we are going to have an abundance of supplies. Medicine, cleaning supplies, and God only knows what else. You never know when you may need something. He stared down at her with something akin to awe. He finally extended his hand to her. You have a deal, he said. Check in once a week. She offered a small smile as they shook on their newfound yet fragile alliance. Chapter 10 Did you ever think life would get like this? Whitaker asked as they continued their break in the hallway. Rogers shook his head. No, I can safely say I never envisioned beating zombies to death with baseball bats. He chuckled, glancing at Hammond, who was still pacing in the distance. Well, obviously, Whitaker rolled her eyes. What I mean is, did you ever think that life would change this much, this quickly? One day we're out here living our lives, and then in an instant it's all gone and we can only rely on ourselves. The detective chewed over this for a moment, and then shrugged. We've both been on the front lines of the shit to one degree or another. I don't know about you, but I never really had any faith in this world and knew it could very easily go south. 
What caught me by surprise was just how quickly it happened. When I was over in the sandbox, I saw some horrible things. She replied quietly, staring down at her hands. Entire towns ravaged by airstrikes, bombings, shootings, you name it. But even those people kept pushing through, and society was still somewhat functioning. A couple zombies get loose in this country, and 72 hours later, there isn't anything standing. Rogers raised an eyebrow. Well, I've been shopping on Black Friday, so if anything, I'm surprised it took 72 hours for everything to fall apart. Touche, detective, she replied with a grin. Touche. She chuckled and playfully bopped her forehead down onto his shoulder. He kissed the top of her head, his chest tightening as he did so. Hammond strolled back over, hands clasped behind his back. You okay there, Sarge? Whitaker asked as the duo got to their feet. He nodded. Yeah, I'm good, he replied. Sorry about that. Nothing to apologize for, Hammond, Rogers said. The sergeant inclined his head to the door. How we looking out there? Let's find out, the detective replied. They headed for the door, all three of them peering out the small window to the field and road that separated them from their destination. There were a few dozen zombies, but they were fairly spread out. Yeah, that doesn't look too bad at all, Hammond mused. Should be able to run right through that. Rogers nodded. So which building we going to, he asked. The middle two-story one, Whitaker replied. As the detective fixed on the nondescript building in question, he furrowed his brow. That's the armory? Were you expecting a big neon sign or something? She teased. Yeah, well, he blushed. Just be thankful I'm cute. Hammond rolled his eyes. I thank my lucky stars for that, he retorted. Rogers blushed harder and took a deep breath, getting back to business. How long do you need with the key card? It's a simple swipe and four-digit code, 4218, Hammond replied. The door automatically locks behind us, so just make sure it shuts and we'll be good. Rogers nodded. Is there another exit to the building, he asked. If those things draw a crowd, it would be better if we didn't have to fight our way out. One exit on the north side, Whitaker replied. The sergeant looked back and forth between the two. We ready to do this? Rogers nodded. Lead the way. Hammond counted down and then pushed the door open. They rushed out, sprinting as fast as they could across the open space. The echo of their footsteps on the pavement caused the zombies to turn towards them, but they weren't close enough to pose a threat. As they got close to the building, there was a lone zombie relatively close to the door, so Whitaker leapt and swung hard, breaking its neck and dropping it to the ground. Hammond flew past her, swiped the keycard and punched in the code. It took a millisecond for the light to turn green and the latch to click open. We're in, he said, and threw open the door. As the trio bustled inside, Rogers closed the door behind them, double-checking to make sure it was secure. Good here, too, he declared. It was dark inside, but as they stepped forward, the automatic lights came on, illuminating several rows of metal shelves. They were mostly empty, with only a handful of assault rifles and bullets left. Thought you guys said there was heavy-duty stuff in here, Rogers said picking up a handgun and then tossing it back on the shelf. Whitaker winked at him. 
Don't go doubting me now, detective. My apologies, he replied, motioning her forward with a flourish. Do prove me wrong. The two soldiers led the way to the back wall with another heavy metal door and keypad. Hammond swiped the card and punched in a different code, and the door clicked open. He swung it wide, and Roger's eyes widened at the sight of the high-end weaponry. Welcome to the gun nut Christmas, detective, Hammond said. Rogers grinned and walked into the room as if on a cloud, examining all of the gear. There were 50 cal sniper rifles, C4, hand grenades, and armor-piercing rounds. He grabbed a canvas duffel bag from one of the shelves and giddily began stuffing it full of explosives. I'll get these if you guys want to get guns and ammo, he declared. The sergeant clapped Whitaker on the back. You heard the man, let's go shopping. The trio spent some time loading up on gear, throwing canvas bags over their shoulders and slinging rifles over their backs. Whitaker chuckled as Rogers struggled with his last duffel bag. You gonna make it there, cowboy? She asked. Don't worry, I'll make it back okay, he assured her. Just don't ask me to carry anything for a while. She laughed, smacked him on the shoulder, and then grabbed her last bag. I think that's going to do it, Hammond said as he adjusted his haul. If we need more than this, then we're in trouble. As soon as he said the word trouble, they heard several loud gunshots from outside. What the fuck is that? Rogers asked. Whitaker clenched her jaw. Landry? Let's hope not, Hammond replied, and led them to the north side door. The gunfire continued, and they cracked the door open to look out, noting that the zombies in their path earlier were moving north towards where Landry drew the earlier horde to. Everybody's heading north, Hammond reported quietly, which will hopefully mean we're in for an easier trip back across the base. Question is, should we go hot? Whitaker asked. Rogers shook his head emphatically. Absolutely not, he said. We get detected now, and this mission goes bust. Might already be fucked if they're shooting at Landry, Whitaker replied. You know Landry, Hammond cut in. If anybody in our group is gonna worm his way out of that, it's gonna be him. She cocked her head. This is true. So what's the play, Rogers asked. Hammond held up a hand. Give it five minutes, then we run like hell. Chapter 11 The trio waited for the zombies to move north, as a steady stream of gunshots kept up. Hammond cracked open the door to the east and nodded. Okay, back to the college, let's go, he said, and moved outside. They moved at a decent clip, however, a little bogged down by their heavy loads. Gunfire continued to echo all the while. As they rushed into the school, they caught their breaths in the safety of the building. Fucking hell, I need to start working out again, Rogers huffed, leaning his hands on his knees. Hammond grunted. I'm sure Whitaker can put you through the paces once we survive this. He paused when he realized he'd just made a double entendre, and the other two stifled laughter. Oh, God damn it! he groaned. Just for that, I'm running boot camp for everybody when this is over. First things first, we gotta get out of this mess, Rogers prompted. Whitaker nodded. We really should keep moving. Agreed, the sergeant said, and motioned for them to follow. They lugged their gear to the other side of the building, and he wrapped his hand around the knob. 
As soon as he turned it, there was significant pressure, and he slammed his boot against it to hold it steady. A few zombies had apparently stuck around from their first time through, not interested in the gunfire. Their arms flailed through the gap, moans breaking the threshold. Rogers and Whitaker quickly shed their gear and attempted to smack at them with their bats, but the heads were too far back. We gotta pull them in, Whitaker cried. The detective turned and gaped at her. What, why? Because if the cartel comes onto the base and sees a pile of corpses by the door, they might get suspicious, she replied. Hammond struggled with the door. Fuck it, good enough for me. What do you want me to do? Rogers asked helplessly. Whitaker motioned for the door. You pull, I'll hit. On it, he said, and grabbed hold of one of the flailing arms. On three, he said. One, two, three. He jerked the arm as hard as he could, wrenching it inside. He stumbled backwards, tumbling hard to the ground, throwing his hands over his face to protect himself from the corpse. There were no gnashing teeth, however, and he lowered his hands, staring up at Whitaker and Hammond, who were laughing at him. He stared at the severed arm next to him and shook his head, wiping at his forehead. Guess I don't know my own strength, he said with a sigh. Hammond inclined his head to the gap as he braced the door with his shoulder. How many are there, he asked. Whitaker stood on her tiptoes, looking out at the zombie heads. Can't be more than five or six. Anything behind them, he asked. Rogers headed over to a nearby window and looked out. Nothing within 30 yards, and even then, it's sparse. Fuck it, I'm letting them in, the sergeant declared. The duo readied their bats and nodded at him. Here we go, Hammond cried and leapt back from the door. It immediately flipped open due to the pressure, the zombies bonking off of each other to get through the door. The first creature that staggered through was missing an arm, and Roger stepped up to crack his bat down vertically, crumpling it. He immediately dodged so that Whitaker could take the next swing, her blow catching a young soldier in the side of the head, careening the zombie back into its brethren. She moved to strike another as Rogers took the one next to it, and with two rapid vertical strikes, the last two standing fell into a heap. Hammond stepped up and they stared down, making sure there was no more movement. Admire your handiwork later, we're gonna have company soon. The duo grabbed their gear, and Rogers let out an audible groan as he loaded himself back up. Don't go getting all old on me, detective, Whitaker teased. He forced his grimace into a grin. Wouldn't dream of it. They rushed out the door, following Hammond towards the apartments. As they ran, they glanced at the mass of zombies to the north, upwards of a thousand moving towards the far end of the base as the gunshots continued. As they reached the apartments, there was an explosion, prompting them to look over again. A plume of smoke and dirt flew into the air. Fucking hell, they're using explosives, Whitaker breathed. Hammond waved to her. Keep moving. As they reached the apartments, there were several dozen zombies running up from the south, blocking their ability to run around the outside of the building. The sergeant adjusted his route and led them towards the breezeway into the courtyard. Where the hell are you going? Rogers huffed. Hammond grunted. Hoping the courtyard is clear. The detective took a deep, ragged breath and followed, knowing there wasn't a better option.
They entered the breezeway and stopped just short of the threshold, taking up position against the wall to minimize their exposure. They looked out to see a hundred or so zombies still in there, blocking the eastern exit. What's the play, Sarge? Whitaker asked quietly. He surveyed the area and then pointed. Let's go out the south breezeway and hope those making their way north aren't there. Good a plan as any, Rogers murmured. Hammond nodded. Let's go. He led them into the courtyard, the trio doing their best to hug the edge of the building so they wouldn't attract the attention of the horde opposite them. As they reached the southern breezeway, zombies began to emerge from it. Fuck, Whitaker hissed. Now what? Hammond raised his bat. Fight through them. He raised his bat and swung, connecting with a young female zombie. The force ripped her head clean off, sending it flying through the air and hitting the front door of an apartment with a wet thud. The sound of the impact drew the attention of several monsters near them. Rogers and Whitaker delivered a few blows, but more zombies piled into the courtyard. As they swung, Hammond went barreling through, lowering his shoulder and knocking several to the ground to clear a path to the other side past the breezeway. As if in slow motion, he stumbled, falling face first into the ground. As he struggled to get back up beneath the weight of his gear, a few zombies descended on him. Rogers flew into action, catching one across the face and then jabbing it in the ribs, shoving it back into another one. The three dropped to the ground, and he dove over and delivered a killing blow as Whitaker grabbed Hammond's arm. Come on, Sarge, she urged as she helped him to his feet. They looked back and saw numerous zombies headed their way, even more pouring in from the breezeway. Rogers rushed to the first door he saw, but it was locked. He snatched the rifle off of his back and smashed the window, hopping the sill to get inside. He quickly unlocked the door and opened it so that the other two could fly in before he slammed and locked it. Get the couch, the detective screamed, and they dropped their gear, grabbing the couch and slamming it into the window frame. It didn't fit through it, but it was big enough to cover the hole as long as someone was pressed against it. You did me a solid out there, detective, Hammond huffed as he held the couch. Rogers chuckled and shook his head. Just remember that when you're making me do push-ups in boot camp. Consider it done, the sergeant smiled. There was a significant pounding on the patio door at the back, and Rogers and Whitaker went to investigate as Hammond held the zombies at bay. That's gonna be a bitch to get through, Rogers breathed at the sight of shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder corpses through the glass. Whitaker looked out the side window, shaking her head. Even if we got through the initial batch, we'd still be fucked. Rogers peered out the side of the door, past a few zombie heads, and pointed towards the field that led to the office building. Check this out. She joined him and sighed at the sight of barely a handful of zombies in that direction. That would be great if we could get past the door. What if we could get into the neighboring apartment, he asked. There doesn't appear to be any on that patio. She shrugged. That's great, but how are we going to pull that off? Thought you grabbed some C4 at the armory he asked. She shook her head. That would give away our position. He held up his finger, prompting her to wait. After several seconds, Whitaker raised her hands in confusion. What am I, 
Rogers held his finger up higher to stop her from talking, and then there was an explosion in the distance. We use theirs to cover ours, she said with a smile, and walked back to the living room. Sarge, we got a plan. Hammond was stretched out on the couch, keeping his weight distributed on it so it wouldn't move. Just when I get comfortable? What you got, Whitaker? We're gonna blow a hole into the next apartment and get out through the patio, she said. He raised an eyebrow and then shrugged. Fuck it, let's do it. Whitaker dug through her bag and found some C4, breaking off a small portion and grabbing a detonator. She and Rogers reached the far end of the apartment, down a hallway to the wall. She immediately began applying the C4 to the wall. You sure you have enough? Rogers asked. She cocked her head. To punch through this? Absolutely, she said as she worked. If anything, I'm worried I grab too much, and I'll end up bringing down the entire complex on top of us. Not concerning at all, the detective replied dryly. Don't worry, she said with a grin. You're in good hands. She winked at him, and then attached the detonator, retreating to the living room. Stand by, she said, and they hunkered down on either side of the hallway wall. Hammond was braced against the couch, however he was standing and geared up. The room was silent, with the exception of the zombies banging on the patio door. Faint gunshots still echoed in the distance, but they waited patiently for another explosion. After what felt like an eternity, they finally heard a loud boom, and Whitaker hit the detonator without warning. The blast blew out a significant portion of the wall, sending debris flying down the hallway and into the dining room. The shockwave also shattered all of the glass in the apartment, collapsing the patio door. Fuck, let's move, Rogers yelled, and Whitaker sprinted down the hallway towards the four-foot hole in the wall. The detective grabbed the dining room table and whipped it in the direction of the patio door, knocking some of the ghouls back so that Hammond could make it to the hallway. They leapt through the hole into the other apartment, tearing towards Whitaker, who stood at the shattered patio door. We got an opening, let's move, she cried, and they jumped through the doorframe, hitting the field. As they ran, they glanced back to see that a crowd was following them. At least ahead of them, the office building didn't have much in the way of zombies around it. Hammond stopped them in the middle between the apartments and the office, gasping for air. Doesn't look too crowded on the south side there, he panted. You thinking of running around it? Whitaker huffed. Thought crossed my mind, the sergeant replied, still gasping. After what happened back there, I'm not exactly looking forward to going back inside. Rogers glanced back towards the apartments, noting that some of the zombies had broken off to head towards the gunshots and explosions. Fuck it, let's do it, he agreed. We got enough of a lead on these guys. If anything does block our way, we'll have time to backtrack to the door. You heard the man, let's do it, Hammond agreed. Chapter 12 The trio tore towards the office building and then veered to the south side. They pressed up against the wall and Hammond peered around the corner, seeing a sparsely populated area. There were maybe only 10 zombies spread out over the course of the entire space. He came back. Take out the ones you have to and get to the warehouse, he whispered. We bypassing this one too, Whitaker asked. He shook his head. 
No, we need to regroup before hitting the fence. Not to mention make sure the coast is clear, Rogers added. Hammond nodded. That too, come on. He led the group around, their legs growing heavy beneath the overload of equipment. The first zombie they encountered didn't hear them coming, so it was easy for the sergeant to crack its head open from behind. Rogers stepped up to take the lead, moving up another 15 yards before beating down another corpse in military fatigues. Whitaker passed him and reached the edge of the building, smacking one last zombie in civilian denim that was in her way. They moved as quickly as they could with their heavy gear to the warehouse, following a clear path. They remained vigilant, however, and Hammond threw open the door for the other two to dash in with their bats raised. It was thankfully empty, and they all dumped their stuff on the floor and collapsed, huffing and puffing. Holy fuck, Rogers gasped. You'd figure with as large as the military budget is, they'd spend some of it on researching lighter gear. Hammond shook his head. Yeah, but the problem is, if you did that, then the average soldier's quality of life would improve, and pretty sure Congress passed a law banning that. Ain't that the fucking truth, Whitaker replied. They sat for another moment, collecting their heads and their breath, before Hammond dragged himself to his feet. Come on, he said. Let's get this shit done. Whitaker and Rogers stalled for a beat, before hauling their tired bodies to a standing. They hauled their bags to the eastern wall, clustering around the door. Hammond cracked it open and peeked out towards the fence where they came in. There wasn't a single zombie in sight, and it appeared that the airport hangars on the other side were also quiet. The gunfire from the north still echoed, although it had slowed down a bit. How we looking out there, Sarge? Whitaker asked. Looks clear to the hangars, he replied, but I want to check something. He set his bag down and pulled the sniper rifle from his shoulder. He opened the door and stuck it out, pointing to the north. He honed in on the horde that Landry had attracted up there, mostly decimated by a small army of cartel members. There were still about a 100 or so zombies around, spread out amongst the bodies of the dead. A handful of cartel walked around, shooting them at point-blank range. Hammond quickly ducked back inside. We're gonna have to move now, he said, as he slung the gun back over his shoulder, loading up his duffel bags. Looks like they're almost done up there. Move quick, stay low, and head for the truck fast. Whitaker furrowed her brow. What about Landry? If he's alive, he knows where we're parked, Hammond replied. She pursed her lips, but nodded her agreement. Let's go, the sergeant said, and led the group outside hunched over and moving quickly towards the fence. When they reached it, he pulled back on the cut so that the other two could duck through, and then Rogers took over to hold it open for him. They ran towards the hangars, lungs burning, and up the way towards the truck. As they reached the first building, they saw someone waving maniacally from an open door in the second. As they grew closer, they caught sight of Landry, trying to keep low as he furiously waved them over. They flew inside, and he slammed the door behind them. Holy shit, Hammond huffed. You're still alive. Whitaker rolled her eyes as she panted. Don't listen to him, Landry. I always had faith in you. Hammond barked a laugh. Bullshit, Whitaker. You calling me a liar, Sarge? She raised an eyebrow. He shrugged. Maybe, but we can debate that once we get back to town. 
Gonna be a hot minute on that one, Sarge, Landry cut in. Those cartel boys are all over the place. Tried to make it back to the truck, but a couple of them found it before wandering off. I sat on it for a while, and another group passed by about 20 minutes later. Whitaker cocked her head. What in the hell did you do that got them riled up so much? Why do you assume it was me? Landry put a hand to his chest, feigning offense. She smirked. Because I've known you for longer than two minutes. Fair enough, he replied, and began to walk. Come on, I'll tell you the whole story once we get to the retreat. He led the confused trio to a small kitchen break room. He grabbed an LED camping lantern on the table and flipped it on, illuminating the dark room. There were decorations everywhere, a mishmash of dollar store streamers and balloons, with a banner that said, Happy Retirement. Below it was a table with some rotten food, and the smell made the newcomers wince. Yeah, I know that doesn't smell great, but you get used to it quick, Landry said with a wave of his hand. Plus, it's a small price to pay. Y'all have a seat. He pointed to a big round table in the corner, and they dropped their gear, flopping down into the empty seats. Landry strolled over from one of the cupboards, tossing a few still-sealed bags of chips onto the table with a giant smile. Oh, hell yeah, Whitaker blurted and snatched up a bag of nacho cheese flavor, ripping it open with glee. Hammond chose barbecue and took a deep smell of the spicy bag. Not a bad find, Landry, not a bad find. The private found a seat before reaching under the table and pulling out a half bottle of whiskey. If we were still officially in the military, I'd be putting you in for a promotion, Hammond declared as the other two applauded their friend. Landry grinned. You know me, Sarge, always going above and beyond. Rogers didn't wait for an invitation, reaching out to grab the bottle. He twisted the cap, eyes full of happy excitement. Go easy on that now, detective, Whitaker teased. That's some strong stuff. He rolled his eyes. Please, I'm a homicide detective, he replied. That ranks up there with professional writers when it comes to alcohol consumption. The group burst into laughter as he took a swig and passed it on. Savor it, because we're on a two-drink max until we're back to town, Hammond warned. Landry sighed. With the way the cartel is going, we'll be here a few hours. Should we keep guard at the door in case they come in? Whitaker asked. He shook his head. They peeked in shortly after I got here, he said. They got about two steps inside the door, looked around, then left. I don't foresee them making a return trip. So, Rogers cut in. How did you get them riled up? A couple of them rolled up on me when I got to the northern fence, so I had to take them out, Landry explained. Figured it was a good idea to cover my tracks, so I strapped them into their truck and crashed it into the fence. Figured the zombies would cover the knife wounds and the cartel would just write it off as careless driving. Whitaker chuckled. I gotta say, I'm quite happy that I got to benefit from the smartest thing you'll ever do. Hey now, Landry shot back, blinking at her. I mean, you're right, but still, hey. There was another round of laughter, followed by another round of whiskey as the group munched on their finds. Chapter 13 As the sun dipped low on the horizon, Leon sat by the window of the command center, staring out and waiting for Roger's team to get back. 
He turned as Trenton and Clara entered, freshened up after their intense outing, Reed following behind them. How are you doing after that trip? Leon asked. Trenton put his hands up. Four solid hours of desert dust blasting against my skin, he said with a shiver. I'm okay with not going on another ride for a while. Eh, I enjoyed it, Clara said with a shrug. Always nice to get out of town for a while. I find those rides to be soothing. Trenton shook his head. Well, to be fair, you didn't have a rotten corpse tied up to the back of your bike. This is true, she agreed. You guys get Mathis set up with a room? Leon asked. Clara nodded. Oh yeah, he found a bed and hasn't left there, she replied. I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume he's missed that level of comfort. Ask anybody who has been deployed before, and they'll agree with that. Leon replied with a smile. He watched Reed slump in a chair off to the side. Hey, how you doing, bud? The younger man's eyes darkened. Oh, you know, just hanging out and biding my time until I find out how I get to die. He pursed his lips as an awkward silence fell over the room and then sighed. But you know, it could be worse. I could have spent a couple of hours on a bike with a cartel corpse riding bitch. The others laughed, breaking the tension, and he offered a smile. Have you heard from the others yet? Clara asked, turning to Leon. He shook his head. Not yet. How long until we start getting worried? Trenton crossed his arms. Leon rolled over to his keyboard, pulling up a map of the base. He highlighted the northern part with a mass of dead zombies. What the hell happened? Clara gasped. He shrugged. Best I can tell is that they started something, and the cartel came in to finish it. Trenton chewed his lip. Were they, I don't know, Leon cut in. I didn't have any live footage until the cartel showed up. Given where it is on the base, I'm hopeful that they weren't anywhere near it, but I just don't know. The room fell silent, and then there was a knock on the door, making them all jump. Come in, Leon said. The nurse opened the door and entered, carrying a small plastic container. Is this a bad time? She asked, looking around at the pale-faced group. Not at all, Leon assured her. What can we do for you? She hesitated and then held out the container. I, uh, I have what you requested for Reed. The young man let out a deep breath and held out his hand. Well, bring it on over then, he said. She clenched her jaw, shooting him an uncomfortable look, like a deer in the headlights. He waved her forward. It's all right, I'm not gonna bite you, he said with a wink. At least not yet. She let out a nervous laugh and then headed over, sitting down beside him. She opened up the container and pulled out a tiny capsule, no bigger than an aspirin. So what am I looking at? Reed asked. She pulled out a piece of paper. I combined a few different drugs. One is called, he shook his head and put his hand on the paper. It doesn't matter what's in it, just tell me what I need to do. I put the concoction in a plastic shell, she began, swallowing hard. It won't dissolve in your mouth, but it's soft enough that you'll be able to bite through it when... Reed nodded. When I want to change so I can bite that motherfucker Tiago Rivas in the throat? Yes, she replied quietly. When you're ready for that. Doesn't sound too difficult, he shrugged. 
What do you think, Trenton? Simple enough that I can't fuck it up? His friend smiled sadly. I think you got this one, bud. Me too, man, Reed said, staring at the pill. Me too. The nurse cleared her throat. Something you need to be prepared for, though. What's that? He raised an eyebrow. She took a deep breath. This is not going to be a painless death, she said slowly. Nor will it be a quiet one. I have no way of testing this or getting the exact right measurements, so I had to double down on the lethality. What can I expect? Reed asked, trying to control the quiver in his voice. She shook her head. It's gonna feel like you're having a seizure, because you probably will be. She avoided his gaze. Might last 30 seconds, might last three minutes, but I honestly just don't know. Hopefully it's on the lower side, he said. Don't want them to have a chance to take me out. She finally met his eyes. I think it will be, she said, but I just wanted you to be prepared in case it lasts longer. Well, given that I'm gonna get stabbed in the gut just to get to this point, Reed replied, injecting as much brightness into his voice as he could. I don't think an extra couple of minutes of pain is gonna matter much. She didn't have a response, just sucked her lower lip between her teeth. He reached out and touched her arm as her eyes went glassy. Hey, hey, come on now, he said gently. It's okay, really. Sorry, she blurted with a heavy sigh, looking at the floor. I'm just not used to doing stuff that causes harm, let alone death. Reed took her hand. Look at me. He waited for her to meet his gaze. No matter what you do, I'm gonna die tomorrow. What you've done is give me a way to make my death mean something, which is all I want, and it's the most important thing you could have done for me. She forced a smile and nodded jerkily. Thank you. She got up and swept out of the room, wiping at her eyes as she went. As the door shut, the air horn bleated, and Leon got to his feet. That better be Hammond or we're in a heap of trouble. They clustered around the window as the truck pulled up, and the quartet emerged from the doors, laughing about something as Landry carried on. Leon led Trenton and Clara outside, as Reed sat in his seat, staring at his death pill. About damn time you got back, Leon barked as they approached their friends. Landry pressed his palms together. Sorry there, Dad, wasn't aware we had a curfew. Ah, were you worried about us? Whitaker teased. Worried about you? Leon rolled his eyes. Nah, worried I was gonna have to avenge most of your deaths? Yeah. Landry cocked his head. Most of our deaths? Man, I'm getting up there in age. Do you have any idea how exhausting it would be to have to avenge four people? Leon joked. Two, maybe. Maybe three of you would get avenged. Landry wrinkled his nose. Well, which one of us would be left out? I mean, if you have to ask, Whitaker teased, and the group shared a laugh. Trenton stepped up as Leon greeted the group with handshakes and bro hugs. Did you find what we need? And a whole lot more, Rogers replied with a grin. C4, grenades, armor-piercing rounds. We're some bad motherfuckers now. Leon's eyes lit up. And the 50 cal? Hammond reached into the back seat and pulled out one of the sniper rifles. 
locked and loaded to take Tiago's head clean off. Hell yeah, that's what I like to see, Leon replied, running a hand over the barrel. Can, can I hold it? Hammond looked over at Rogers, who discreetly shook his head. Sorry, Leon, but Mathis is very superstitious when it comes to his rifles, the sergeant replied. He just doesn't feel right letting another sniper hold his weapon, especially just before going into battle. Leon pouted, but nodded in agreement. Yeah, I get it. I have my own superstitions as well. Speaking of Mathis, Hammond continued. Has anyone seen him? Clara nodded. Yeah, we got him set up inside our house. Come on, we'll show you, Trenton invited, and he and Clara led the three soldiers to their place. Detective, Whitaker called over her shoulder. He looked over at her, eyebrow raised. Once I freshen up, she said, I think you may owe me a drink. He playfully put a finger to his chin in thought. I think you might be right. Clara leaned over to the female soldier. I've taken a look in the closet of our house, and I think you might find something in there you like. As long as it comes close to fitting and isn't coated in zombie guts, count me in, Whitaker replied, and the girls headed off. Leon's eyebrows rose as he turned to his friend. Looks like you have a fan there, bud. She's got one too, the detective replied, staring after the woman in question. Leon chuckled. You old fox, you don't wait long to pounce, do you? He shook his head. Eh, you know, Rogers replied with a little shrug. Instant attraction plus the end of the world, no sense in playing it slow. Leon smacked him on the back. My man, he said. So, how did it go out there? If I don't swing a bat for a hundred years, it'll be a fucking day too soon, the detective admitted. His friend winced. That good, huh? Zombies fucking everywhere, Rogers replied. Details are pretty run of the mill, except for when I ripped an arm right off. Leon laughed. The hell you did. No joke, the detective replied, putting a hand over his heart. Whitaker will back me up too. His friend smirked. Seeing how she's sweet on you, I'd suspect she'd back you up if you claimed you walked on water. No, she'll back me up because she's going to laugh her ass off when she tells you my reaction. Rogers wrinkled his nose. Leon laughed. You being graceful as always? You know it. The detective clenched a victorious fist. His friend smiled. Looking forward to it, man, he said. We could use some uplifting news around here. How are the others doing? Rogers asked. Leon shrugged. They're fine, he said. Clara and Trenton made it back with the corpse for tomorrow. And Reed? The detective raised an eyebrow. His friend took a deep breath. Handling it a lot better than I would be, I can tell you that. Rogers nodded thoughtfully. You think he'll do okay? The man's committed, Leon replied, shaking his head in bewilderment. He's determined to make his life count for something. His friend paused and then cracked his knuckles. Well, we better not fuck it up then. Definitely, Leon agreed and motioned to the command center. Well, you wanna get on inside then? Go over the plan again? Rogers nodded. Yeah, just let me grab something out of the truck. He headed back over and opened the back door. Leon, I can't express my gratitude for everything you've done for this community, as well as your friendship during all of this. 
His friend blinked at him, momentarily shell-shocked. You okay, man? He asked carefully. Not like you to get all sentimental and shit. Well, Roger said, cocking his head. I'm not getting sentimental as much as I wanted to tell you I picked you up a little something while we were out. He reached in and pulled out the other 50 cal rifle, walking back over and holding it up like a talisman. Leon's eyes were wide as saucers. Get the fuck out of here, for real? Just so you know, that bitch is heavy as fuck, and I lugged it all the way back here for you, Rogers declared. His friend took it with the hugest grin on his face, suddenly looking years younger. I will treasure this until my dying day, he promised, eyes gliding over his new toy. Which better be until well after the apocalypse has ended, Rogers said firmly, holding up a finger. Because if you want the ammo, you're still gonna have to keep being the face of this town. Leon stroked the barrel. Not a problem, bud, he said distantly. Rogers clapped him on the shoulder, and they headed towards the command center. Any idea where you're gonna put it? Right over my desk, his friend said with a grin. The detective raised an eyebrow. How do you think Ethel will like it? I'm gonna ask Ethel if I can put it over my desk, Leon amended immediately. Rogers barked a laugh. Good to know we both realize who really runs this town. End of book two. Coming soon, Assassination Day has arrived as Hammond and his team put their plan into action in El Paso, Part 6. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.